You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Trainee Youth Minister Andy Fardock. Hey St. John's, Reza and Diane Shiragi here. Today we're doing the Bible reading from Hebrews 11, 29 to 40. Why fed the people pass through the Red Sea as on dry land? But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rehab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jetar, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of the lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back the dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us will they be met perfect. This, this is, is the, the word, word of the Lord. Of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You know how before a school camp, they always give out a packing list. Maybe you're in school at the moment and you're really looking forward to hopefully getting one of these lists again, being able to go on a school camp now that the restrictions have eased again, maybe next year. And you get this list and it always tells you to bring a torch for some sort of night walk or night game. And maybe you're one of those cool kids, or you were one of those cool kids, that would bring along one of the massive underarm torches. Or maybe you had one of those smaller but really powerful torches that you could light up to the top of the trees and kind of be like, hey, can your torch go that far? Or maybe you'd just bring along one of those really sneaky little pocket torches so you could just blind your friends without them realising. The thing is, though, that regardless of the size of the torch that you bring on camp, they all share a function to light up the way when you're in the dark. This series that we're doing at the moment, we've been talking about faith. And faith, regardless of how big or small you think yours is, it shares the function of lighting up the way when we find ourselves in dark spaces of life. Two weeks back, uh, Kirk shared with us a definition of what faith is. At the very start of this same chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11, it says this, 
Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Because we can't see God, can we? But we can have hope and assurance in Him because of what He has done and what He is going to do. And that is what becomes a light that lights up the way when we find ourselves in dark spaces of life. Times when we feel afraid, uncertain, or filled with doubt. This whole chapter in Hebrews that we've been looking at has been listing person after person that put their faith in God, right back to the start of the Bible, right back in Genesis. Maybe you've been listening or reading along as these passages being read and been thinking, yeah, yeah, just some really holy, godly people. I bet if their faith was a torch, it could light up a whole city. But my faith isn't really like that. If my faith was a torch, it would probably be one of those small little pocket torches. And even then, sometimes I'm not even sure if it's turned on. Up until really recently, when someone would mention to me a character from the Bible, they went into this sort of special um, category of human in my mind. There were these some sort of Bible superheroes. And it kind of makes sense that we might think about people in the Bible like this, uh, especially if you've grown up in church like me. Because when we hear about stories of Bible characters when we're kids, we get given the G-rated version about good people doing good things. But the reality is if we take a closer look at some of their lives, they deserve more of an MA15 plus rating. Because the people in the Bible, the stories that we have, They're actually just regular humans like you and me. And sometimes they're actually way worse than regular humans in the way that they treat each other and the actions that they take. Because the only real holy, godly person in this whole book is Jesus. And yet despite that being the case, God still wants to work with humans back then and now as part of his story. And it gets even better than that because verse 34 in our reading today tells us that Through faith in God, what are actually our weaknesses as humans, he turns into strength. So to start us off today, I want to look at four of the people that were mentioned in our reading and see if you can actually relate to them a bit more than you thought you could and to see what it looks like for them to put faith in God. Firstly, in verse 29, it talks about when the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. You'll definitely want to be listening in on this one if you're feeling a bit tired out, a bit pushed to the edge, and like your faith is just a small torch against the dark at the moment. So God had sent a guy called Moses to Egypt to go and rescue his people, the Israelites, from slavery. Maybe you've seen the Prince of Egypt and you know how the story goes. Uh, God sent plague after plague to try and get Pharaoh to let his people out of slavery. Eventually, Pharaoh gave in and let the people go. You might be thinking, oh, so these are God's people. So they must be really faithful and trust God. They start heading away from Egypt, but then all of a sudden, the Egyptians come back over the horizon because Pharaoh had changed his mind. He was like, actually, I want my free slave labor back. But these are faithful, godly people. They're probably just waiting out by the Red Sea going, you know what, it's bad that the Egyptians are coming, but we'll be fine. Our God will do something. But the reality is it tells us in the book of Exodus where you can find this full story. They were actually freaking out. They were crying out to God and to Moses and they said this, you should have let us stay in Egypt. We would have rather been slaves than died out here in the wilderness. 
Fortunately, though, for them, Moses stood firm. He had faith in God and he said to them, Don't be afraid. Stand still. God will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So for them, what faith looked like in that moment was to not really do anything, but just stand there and trust God. Just that smidge of faith was enough to get them through that dark space. And so what God did was he parted the Red Sea. They were able to walk through as if on dry dry land. And then when the Egyptians came back through, the water returned and drowned them. God had saved his people just with that smidge of faith that they had in him. So yeah, all right, it sounds like the Israelites weren't super faithful people, but they did have some faith, which is pretty good. Our passage then goes on in verse 30 to talk about the fall of the walls in Jericho after the army of God's people had marched around it for seven days. You can find that full story in the book of Joshua, but today I just want to focus in on the story of one woman whose name is Rahab, who we read about in verse 31 of our reading. This is one that you really want to be listening in on if you feel like you don't belong in God's story or you've counted yourself out of God's story. So Rahab was a lady that worked as a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And before the walls fell, uh, the Israelites sent two spies to go and suss out Jericho to see what they were up against. And when they got there, this woman named Rahab let them hide in the roof of her house so that they wouldn't get caught by the king of Jericho. And the reason that she did this is even though she wasn't an Israelite, she had faith in the God of the Israelites. She said to the spies, I know your God is going to give you this land. All of us here in Jericho are afraid of him. We heard how he helped you conquer cities and how he parted the Red Sea. Your God must be everywhere. So she asked the spies, she said, because I've shown you this kindness, I've helped protect you from the king. Would you please show me and my family kindness? When you do come and conquer our whole city, can you please come and save us? And that's exactly what happened. When the walls of Jericho fell, her family was collected and they became part of the community of God's people. So of all the people in Jericho, faith was displayed by a woman who, working as a prostitute, wouldn't have been very well respected or held very highly in that culture. Not your natural pick of who you might think a really holy, godly person is. And yet because of the faith that she had in God, he used her. And she's so much part of God's story that when we zoom forward to the New Testament and we take a look at the start of the book of Matthew, she is actually listed as an ancestor of Jesus. She makes the list. Maybe you're still not convinced, though, that a person like you belongs in God's story. So I want to tell you about this next guy, a guy called Samson who's also listed in our reading as having faith in God in verse 32. This is one I really want you to listen to. If you feel like at the moment your life's not dictated by God, it's dictated by what you want and when you want it. You might feel like there's not a lot of God going up in here. Maybe instead it's anger or lust or selfishness that's running your life. And maybe you're scared to let God in because you just don't think that he would want a person like you in his story. Well, Samson is a guy you might remember if you've ever looked at a kid's Bible or sometimes just kid's storybooks talk about him as a guy who wrestled lions. Uh, He had long hair and superhuman strength. 
But when we read the full story, we actually hear that he also grossly lusted after a woman uh, because he wanted to marry her purely because he liked the way she looked, even though she wasn't within the Israelite community. And that was something that God had asked his people not to do. So he begged his parents to let him marry her just because she was good looking. He also continued to live his life uh, out of anger and selfishness. So this is the kind of person's life that if it was made into a movie, your parents definitely wouldn't have wanted you to watch it as a kid. You know what, though? God still wanted to use Samson. He chose Samson to be the person that would help the Israelites overcome the Philistines that were ruling over them at that time. And when Samson did choose to call on God for help, he received it. It was when he put his faith in God that amazing things happened. The next person and the last person of the four that I want to touch on is a guy called King David. Uh, You might be thinking with this one, all right, Andy, I've been able to relate to the other people a little bit, but not King David. He's definitely a Bible superhero. King David is a guy that is remembered for literally being called a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty special title to be given. Also, he wrote beautiful songs to God, many of which we can read today in the book of Psalms. But even David wasn't a perfect guy. You might actually relate to him a lot. Sometimes he was overcome with jealousy that led to really hurting people. He abused his power to cover up his sin and his guilt. He also had pretty messy family relationship. He just wasn't the greatest dad sometimes. Stuff that's pretty easy at one point or another to relate to our own lives, or we've at least seen it play out in the people around us and in our own situations. Despite all his weaknesses and failings, did God still want David part of his story? Yes. And despite all your weaknesses and all your failings, does God still want you part of his story? Yes, he does. Because all these stories of people in the Bible aren't some really holy, godly people. Not Bible superheroes, they're people just like you and me. But what they did decide to do is to put their trust in God, have faith in Him to light up the way in the dark. Verse 33 tells us that through faith, these people conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. That's amazing things to be able to do just by having faith in God. Because the thing is, faith has a lot more to do with who God is than who we are. It's not about how good or perfect we are, but about how good the God is that we're choosing to put our trust in. So you get to the night walk on camp. And naturally, you gravitate towards the kid who has the massive torch because next to him, it practically feels like you're in daylight. You can see so much. And similarly, when we see in another person that they have a really big faith in God, it's attractive because you get to see that the peace that they live in because of their trust in him, it just seems to illuminate the path in front of them. But I want to get a bit more practical with us now because we don't just have to look on at the guy with the big torch and be jealous that his faith is bigger than ours. There's actually things we can do every day to grow our faith in God. So faith is about trusting God, right? And we need to know God if we're going to trust him. 
We've already said in this series that there's a difference between knowing there is a God or believing in a God and actually having a relationship with that God. And like all relationships, for it to be a good one, you need to spend time with the other person. You need to know what that person is like and you also need to be honest about what you are like. So to grow our relationship with God so that we can trust Him more, I really want to encourage you with three things. To be remembering the past, sharing your weaknesses with God and putting your hope in the future. So remembering the past. It's so good for us to regularly be remembering what God has done in our lives. But if you're new to Christianity, maybe you're just learning about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit at the moment and you're exploring what this means for you, or maybe you've just started a relationship with God, you might be thinking, Andy, I don't really have a lot of memories in my own life that I can go back on and see how trustworthy God is. I don't really know Him that well yet. And even if you have known Jesus in your life, your whole life, um, sometimes when we find ourselves in the really dark spaces, it can be really hard to remember the good stuff that God has done. And that's when this book comes in handy because God has given us the most amazing resource in His Word to be able to read like the stories I've shared today of people in the past that put their trust in God. So we can learn from other people throughout history, back from the start of creation, about how good God is, what His character is like, how much He loves His people. Another way that we regularly remember what God has done together is when we share communion together, or at the moment it's been together online. Uh, In communion, what we're doing is we're remembering that in Jesus' death, He died for us so that we could come into perfect relationship with God. There's heaps of other ways to regularly be remembering what God has done in the past. Just simply sharing stories with one another, telling each other about the good stuff God has done for you. Because remembering the past helps us to know God better so that we can trust Him better now. It helps to grow our faith so that it can light up the dark in front of us. Next, I just want to encourage you to share your weaknesses with God because a good relationship isn't just about knowing the other person well. It's about being honest about what you're like as well. As we've already established, God does not expect you to be perfect for you to be part of His story. This is God, right? He knows everything about you and He sure knows that you're not perfect. He knows you intimately because He really, really loves you. Even though we kind of know that about God, we know that He knows everything, it can be really easy for us to try and hide things away from Him or at least keep some things separate from our relationship with God. Often it's the things that make us feel a bit guilty or not good enough to be part of His story. Maybe it's money. Maybe you just don't like to invite God into the money part of your life because you're scared about what He's going to ask you to do with it. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction at the moment, to substance, to porn, something that you're scared to invite God into because you're not happy with how that part of your life is going. Maybe it's a weakness that is completely out of your control. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's mental health that you're struggling with at the moment. Maybe it's trauma from your past that you're afraid of and you don't want to invite God there. Whatever these weaknesses are in your life, I really encourage you to invite God into them, to share them with Him. Because we have a God that says that His grace is sufficient for us, that His power is made perfect inside our weaknesses. Because it's actually in our weaknesses that God's light can shine all the brighter. Because when we acknowledge our weaknesses, we acknowledge that it's not by our strength that we can do things. It's by God's strength. We actually need Him. 
If you're a visual person like me, I like to imagine my faith as if it is a light that is sitting inside me. And when I acknowledge my weaknesses before God, my brokenness and my sin, and see the cracks in my own person, uh, they become opportunities for His light to shine through. So these signs of brokenness are actually spaces for Him to illuminate out of. His glory to be shown, not only to light the path in front of me in my own situation, but also to be a light to the world around me. And that's just such a beautiful thing about our God, as He invites us to give His weaknesses to turn them into strengths for His glory. And lastly, I'm encouraging you to have hope in the future. The last section of our reading lists incredible suffering that some of these people endured. Torture, flogging, imprisonment being put to death by stoning, sword in two, killed by the sword, destitute and persecuted. But why? Why did these people endure such suffering by faith? Because they had hope that their God had a greater plan than their right there and then. They looked ahead to the promises of a greater reward, something beyond their own lifetime. As Tim said last week, that's a pretty impressive mindset that these people had because This is before Jesus. They didn't even know what God's plan was, that that is what he was going to do, is fulfill everything through his son. And yet they still chose to trust in God because they knew that they had hope for the future. This whole chapter, chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, it just builds upon this idea of faith before it lands in chapter 12 with the ultimate expression of how good and trustworthy Jesus is, that he would send his son to live, die and be raised again for us. You'll really want to be streaming back in in two weeks' time uh, after our Stars in the Shire Christmas carols. We're going to do the last sermon uh, talk on this series that starts chapter 12, talking about what it means, what Jesus did for us. So really encourage you to make sure you're watching then. But in our own reading today, verse 39 and 40 tells us that these people were holding onto the promises of God to them. So again, as Tim encouraged us last week, we too can hold onto the promises of the something better that God has for us too, the promise of eternal life with our good God. I've prepared to do a few talks now and something I've noticed each time I do it is that God gives me a bit of a crash course in what I'm about to teach. Almost like, if you're going to teach it, Andy, you better learn it first. And so as I was preparing to do this talk, one morning I woke up and I was just feeling really crap. I was just sitting there talking to God and I was just feeling really upset. I just recently had conversations with friends about uh, the climate crisis going on around the world and just the devastating effects of COVID globally. And I was also just really frustrated with my own anxieties and I just felt awful and I just wasn't looking forward to doing the day, especially not working on this talk, which I had to do that day. I was like, oh, don't want to do it. So I started complaining to God about all this and I felt him prompting me being like, perspective, Andy. So I was like, okay, this is as good as time to any to put this into practice. So I started to remember the past. I said, all right, God, I've felt like this before and it has passed. Um, before you have offered me your peace in times like this. So I ask for that peace now, please, God. And I was like, all right, now I've got to share my weaknesses with God. So I said, thank you, God, that I feel anxious today because your light is going to shine all the brighter for it because it is not going to be by my strength that I get this talk done. It's going to be by you working through me. And thank you, God, that I don't have to be perfect to be part of your story. 
And then lastly, deciding to have hope in the future. I said, God, seeing the world like this right now is devastating and feeling like this really sucks. But thank you, God, that you promised more than this. You have said that you have overcome the world, that you are going to come back. You're going to have the last say and that you are a good God that I can trust. Again, for any visual people, having this kind of perspective, I got this image that there was light shining behind me, uh, that it was a space where in the past behind me where God had been faithful was lighting up and in front of me was lighting up where I had hope for the future and right there in the present through my brokenness and my cracks, my weaknesses, God was illuminating the path just right before me that I could get through that day. So, Just to finish now, I really want to encourage you that when you find yourself in the dark spaces of life, whatever they may be, invite God into it. Practice putting your faith in Him so that your faith will grow to illuminate the dark and be one of those massive torches. I'm just going to pray for us now. God, thank you for being good. We thank you that you love us and you know us so well. Uh, Thank you that you know us, even all our weaknesses, you know so well and you don't not want us because of them. You want us to be part of your story. So I pray, God, that we would draw closer to you, that we might uh, have hope in you for the future, that we would look at the past, how much we can trust you. And in the present, we would just be growing our faith, God, that we can move forward with our path illuminated by you, God. Thank you that you are so good. I just pray for everyone who's watched this today that uh, you would just be helping them to just hold on to and the thing that they needed to hear would really stick, God, as they go into this week. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.